Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go, episode number 34 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, as I inch my mic closer so I don't ring people's ears out with my scream gentlemen i would uh personally like to invite you and and do my best jim nance impression hello friends welcome friends it's masters week right here at augusta national and in honor of augusta national and the masters this week i wanted to know just to start off the show from our incredible hosts what do you think is the lowest scoring fantasy lineup made out of like normal people like normal non like backup guys that you could probably start next year just in honor of golf and, and how golf works with the lowest score winning like if you had to set a fantasy lineup for the lowest score to win i know that was like really roundabout of me to, to say what would it be i think i gotta start denzel mims at wide receiver mm. jalen rager yeah Definitely. i start matt ryan maybe at quarterback Ooh. Yep. He puts up some stinkers. Maybe Baker. Yeah, Miles Sanders at running back. Yep, yep, 100%. So you're just Um, gunning after the – we're just gunning after the Eagles players? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) It seems to Um, be that way. Dude, I got one. Uh, Mark Ingram for the Texans. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Texans, Mark Ingram. They got a nice running back one right now that we'll get to. Oh, yeah, Mr. Mack. Whoa, yeah, whoa, spoil. hey, spoilers. We got to get people, people to listen to the end. If they hear we're talking about Marlon Mack. Yeah, facts, facts. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Raheem Mostert this year might fit that bill uh, pretty well. Tight end. Who who, who we got at tight end? Hayden Hurst. Ooh, I, yeah, that's a pretty good one. People that's like a normal, like, him going to Cincinnati. yeah, like a normal dude. Like, literally, like, normal yeah. guy that you would, like, put in your starting lineup. Jack Doyle. Oh he's yeah, Jack Doyle. He, he's retired now. Did he retire? Yeah, yeah I wouldn't put him in my starting lineup. Jeez. Yeah, it's Mo Alley Cox season, baby. Didn't you know? It's Gigantor season. All right. Enough, enough fooling around. Uh while Augusta is this week, we at the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast are looking more towards that September 9th, 10th, 11th range. That's uh that's the time we're looking forward to. Wait, September 9th? Well, yes, that would be somebody's birthday out here. But that September 9th, 10th kind of range. Actually, let me look. When's opening day? Well, for baseball, it's tomorrow. For baseball, it is tomorrow. Uh, it's well, it's going to be September 8th this season. Football season know. will start September 8th. All right. We have a great episode for you guys today uh, where we have reports from around the realm coming back. We're going to be doing our rookie tight end and running back. Uh, rankings as well to wrap up so we have a little bit of time before the draft so it's gonna be our pre-NFL draft rookie tight end and rookie running backs and then we'll finish up with uh, what would it be Max's trade corner 102 now that is correct 102 1b whatever you want to call it man 102 so Professor Max will be stepping back in front of the chalkboard for us to teach us trade 101 Uh, but we're I guess we passed trade 101 we're moving on to trade 102 this week. Um, but before we get into the episode, there are two things that I wanted to talk about. 
and please feel free to calm down. They're not going to be long. Number one, Underdog is sponsoring this episode. Thanks again to Underdog. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football. No waivers, trades, or lineup setting. Maybe no trades would get Max bothered, but definitely not me. Stressing is the worst thing you can do in fantasy. And what Underdog does is it completely alleviates all the stress. There is absolutely no stress in the management aspect of this. Your draft is the entire key. Underdog Fantasy lets you draft a season-long team in seconds and takes you to your best possible score every single week. Sign up now with the code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, and get a free deposit match for up to $100 in bonus cash with their slick mobile app and user-friendly website. You'll have absolutely no problem jumping in and drafting for the 2022 NFL season, which is probably only five months away now. Yeah, I have been absolutely loving underdog. Um, I find it so easy, so like efficient. Like I've been doing a lot of like just like daily like fantasy stuff like that on there for NBA and stuff like that. Um, It is so well run and it's just like it shows you how many people you have in like the draft lobby it drafts from the play like it, it gets right to the point it shows you live scores like it updates really quickly like it is a very very well run app and i would highly recommend downloading it and of course using our code yeah one thing too i wanted to add is the adps that they have on underdog for fantasy football in particular is one of the best places to get updated adps um, a lot of the normal sites that i've used in the past it's just you know outdated information Drafts from two months ago are um, dude. Just just stick ADP. a fork in ESPN. Just stick a fork Yo, in ES- it. Dog, Man, dude. I don't want to be that podcast, but yeah, I still got a couple of leagues, uh, fantasy baseball that is on ESPN, and uh, I-, I can't wish I was on another platform uh, more than I do right now. But yeah, underdog ADP, use that as your uh, your baseline. They do a great job making sure that's updated with all the recent news and. Uh, the most up-to-date draft. So uh, I'd love to throw that in there. Yeah. Again, shout out, uh, shout out underdog fantasy. Again, there's a million different things that you can do there beyond fantasy football drafting. Uh, So there's baseball as well as basketball among many other sports that they have to offer. And again, you can use the code monarchy M O N A R C H Y uh, to use our referral code and get a free $100 bonus cash deposit match. Uh, With that being said, Again, really quick, before we get into the episode, I did want to give a shout out to Steve Ransbottom. Steve is an absolutely incredible guy who has been shouting us out on a lot of different platforms. Uh, Steve's, Steven's an incredible writer for uh, Fantasy Faceoff. It's fffaceoff.com, uh, and he does particularly fantasy football stuff. He's getting over like 200 and 300 and sometimes even into the thousand views on his articles. He's really plugged in and, and super up to date. And he actually shouted us out on Twitter today. Um, Steve is not like anybody that we know directly, but has always been a friend of the program. So we wanted to shout out Steve and it's fffaceoff.com. Uh, he has a blog over there. So we just want to shout him out. Yeah. I want to jump in too and shout out uh, the guy he responded to on Twitter at Tyler FF creator. Um, once every couple of weeks, I see him post, uh, what he did, which is if you have a favorite fantasy football account, go ahead and throw them on into the comment, uh, throw them into the replies and, uh, you know, check it out. So I love that he does that every few days. I love that it's, you know, he's supporting small creators like us and, um, you know, I don't know how big his platform is, but I'd definitely like to shout him out as well for doing that. 
So we do have an incredible episode for you. And to start it off, we're going to get into reports from around the realm. All right, we have our reports from around the realm section returning for another week. Bruce Arians uh, retired, emphasis, retired. Uh, and Todd Bowles, former Jets head coach, uh, is set to take over as the team's new man in charge, the new commander of that ship, with really like the shadow head coach being Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady, but they don't want to give them too much power. What are you guys thinking about Bruce Arians' retirement and what that will probably end up doing for Tom Brady, despite him sitting in the front row and almost crying at BA's retirement? I was just kind of weird, you know, like I, I was under the impression that Tom Brady knew this was all happening. Um, and then Bruce Arians retires. I get he wants to pass along the torch on a winning franchise, stuff like that, to make sure that his guys are prolonging their future careers in NFL as coaches. But they just come, they're coming off, I mean, a great season that coming off a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Unless the man's dying, I don't know why he's retiring, honestly. Yeah, let's hope he's not. But yeah, I mean, personally, like, I, I love what he did trying to hook up bowls and make sure he doesn't have to take over with Trask and, uh, you know, Mike Evans, another year older and, uh, you know, losing Gronk. I, I love that he's doing that. And I hope, you know, if it is a health-based decision, I hope he's taking care of himself. And I, I do think he made the right decision because I can't even imagine being an NFL coach um, and all the stress that that takes. But I think honestly, like fantasy wise, I think it's, you know, you said it, Tom and uh, Leftwich are the coaches of that team, honestly. So, I, I expect much of the same as last year. I don't see a whole lot changing. Yeah, to be honest, uh, when you really think about the team there, like quote unquote stock market value, you know, it was, you know, Apple premium stock and then it dips down to some penny stock and now it went back up and now everybody has no idea what to do. Because the last time we saw Todd Bowles coach, he was coaching mediocre rosters. And it's the age old question is, are the Jets the problem and the ownership or are the players and the coaches the problem? And nobody really knows. Um, and that's the big problem with Todd Bowles is we're going to see the mild mannered stone face Todd Bowles walk in and be a defensive head coach in a league full of offensive head coaches. And a lot of the times that we've seen head coaches be one-sided, they're not respected and there's always like team problems. Um, so I just have no idea essentially what to really think about Todd Bowles in this situation, leading the team. Um, no matter what, I, I feel perfectly fine with the fantasy assets. Cause again, Tom Brady is going to do an incredible job dunking it down to Leonard Fournette and Godwin will probably come back better than ever. And then Mike Evans is just Mr. 1K. So all those pieces I feel perfectly fine about, but more less fantasy football wise. I, I'm a little bit concerned with the Bucks because it's going to be a house divided. There's no one central person I feel like that they can look up to. It's whether they're going to look at Tom and Leftwich or they're going to look at Todd Bowles. I feel like both sides of the ball are going to think that certain people are really in charge. Yeah, I think too, like if, you know, Bowles gets a, another job down the road and I think it's kind of like Adam Gase, you know, Adam Gase with Peyton Manning and then everyone thought he was such a great coach and then it turns out that, you know, it, it, it was Peyton. Uh, you know, I think in a few years, if we're getting excited about a few fantasy options because Bowles is the coach reflecting on this past year, maybe 
maybe we pump the brakes a little bit because like you said, he is a defensive minded guy. And I think more and more each season, we're seeing coaches really shift to just an all out offensive firepower scheme and more yeah. and more that defensive mindset's kind of just fading away. Um, this is, this is a way too early reaction and I apologize to my future self for sounding like an idiot, but when the Jets uh, had Todd Bowles their first year, I believe they went 10 and six. They went 10 and six because it was a lot of holdovers from the last GM and the last head coach uh, in Rex Ryan. And they did a decent job. I, I won't say, you know, 10 and six, that's a pretty good record. And you could say it's luck. And it is some games flipping the right way, some games flipping the wrong way. But when Todd Bowles really took the reins and it was his guys coming in and it was the new GM's players, they stunk. Capital stunk. So this year, I'm perfectly fine with holding those pieces. But at that midpoint in the season, if I can trade and get some equivalent value, I'm absolutely 100% doing that. I just I just don't trust Todd Bowles. And I feel like Tom is too long in the tooth. If he's retired once, he'll do it again. He's not going to play until he's 46 or 47. So just might as well move off the assets this current season when they're at their peak. That's That's a great point. All right, Devontae Parker gets traded to New England. Um, cool. Uh, Jay. Yeah. Hey. G. Yeah, that guy's uh, irrelevant. They overpaid for him. So I don't, there's nothing much really to talk about there. So it was Parker yeah. in a 2022 fifth for a 2023 third. That's crazy, yeah. man. I'll take the third round pick every day. 110%. Parker's yeah, like 29. Yeah, he's 29. Yeah, he's getting up there. But I do think professionally for them, sure, like they might have overpaid a little bit, but he did just come off a really good year. I believe he led the league in contested catches or something like that. And I kind of, that's kind of a piece that Mac Jones needs, honestly, just on the outside. I think they're kind of going quantity over quality at their wide receiver position in a way. And I think he just kind of fits into their. They're hodgepodge of guys he's, for Max. He's literally ball around too. Kirkland brand Tyreek Hill. <laughs> he's like the Tyreek yeah. Hill, like, oh, mom, I want McDonald's. Oh, we have McDonald's at home. Like, <laughs> he's the McDonald's at home. He's the Tyreek Hill at home. I've never heard mom say, I have McDonald's at home. I've heard mom say, I have food. Wait, food. Yeah. But I didn't know McDonald's was at, at the house as well. Hey, man. Yeah, I got this three day old. Double yeah, man. Cheeseburger. <laughs> Heat that you up. don't stock up. McDonald's prices are going up, man. I'm, it's like I'm storing fuel in my basement. Yo, absolutely. Absolutely. The moment that uh, the, the vanilla ice cream cone goes over a dollar is the day I boycott McDonald's. Keep that thing at 87 cents or whatever it's at. You just round up some change in your car and you have a moment for yourself. You know, who's not, you know who's not a sweet treat on Sunday Night Football this upcoming season? Devontae Parker. He will not be a yeah, sweet no. treat for your lineup. He will not be the Monday night miracle that you need. You know, no, he'll be the he broken really McDonald's be. ice cream machine. Like he will be the up. broken McDonald's ice cream machine. Yes. <laughs> Devontae's Parker is the kind of guy that like it's Monday night and it's like deciding between like starting an average wide receiver on like a Jarvis Landry on Sunday afternoon or playing the big roll in the dice with Devontae Parker on Monday night. And I'm going to roll Devontae Parker 10 times out of 10 if he plays on Monday night. Right. And you know you know what number ends up rolling? Number seven. <laughs> Unlucky. Seven out. And you end up losing. Um, moving on, Nick C. Super, super, 
or producer Nick C's in the house. Nick C, I will uh, I'll pass the microphone to you for this one. I know this one is uh, near and dear to your heart. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like this is one of the best memes kind of on Sleeper app. It's just uh, <laughs> Marlon Mack. He's just become a walking meme, and he signed with the Houston Texans. RB1. I don't know the yeah, I don't know the terms of the deal. It's probably like a one year deal, but all I have to say is that this affects Marlon Mack. So Nick, do you know like the origin of the meme? Yeah, it was like some post on Sleeper um, with Jonathan Taylor being like, I don't remember if he was being in, like injured or or something like that. But then everyone just started asking like, how does this affect Marlon Mack? And then <laughs> it's just so stupid. But literally, if there you go to any post on Sleeper about Marlon Mack, it's just flooded with all these people just like this affects Marlon Mack. How does this affect Marlon Mack? Like <laughs> the internet's hilarious, man. They, you, they always know how to not take themselves too seriously. Um, which is the same thing I'll be doing about this Marlon Mack deal, not taking it too seriously. I feel like the Marlon Mack space is the perfect. He's like the perfect I'll throw in Marlon Mack guy. Um. And then he's just got a little extra zest on him. He's, he's a little extra kick this week now that he's the RB1 in Houston until draft night. I feel like they'll end up drafting a, a pretty solid running back. Who knows? Maybe that's where uh, one of the future running backs we'll be talking about gets drafted. He would plummet down draft boards, man. I mean, I think Marlon Mack's a great trade asset right now because they, they got the little green arrow next to his name. He's going on the, on the up and up. So be on the lookout. For Marlon M- Mack and some trades is coming. Eminem, Eminem McFlurry. He's our he's our sweet treat. Boom. Bring <laughs> he it is, around. He is. Yeah, no, Marlon Mack. I think he's like the the perfect placeholder for a, a young running back to get drafted. I think, you know, that Achilles tear is really that's uh, really tough to see an upward trajectory for the rest of his career. But I do think, just like he was for JT, I think he's going to be a perfect placeholder uh, for one of these guys to step into some real work. Um, last but not least, uh, it's not on our sheet, but I did want to mention it. Jamison Williams, the standout Alabama star who tore his ACL in the championship game, sadly, he was working out this week post-surgery on the ACL, uh, at Alabama's pro day this past week, he was doing non ACL related drills. So he was doing like high knees and just basically uh, getting put out to, to stud as the horses do, you know, the, which is just all this combine work is and pro day work. Just, you know, how great these athletes are. Why do you need to see them run around a couple cones? But uh, I love the cone drill, but why do you need to see them run around a couple dr- a couple cones? You got hours and hours of tape. It's just putting them out to stud, seeing how they look in the pads and uh, how they look with the shorts on. Um, but no, he, he's doing drills and, I've seen him climbing the draft boards. So something to keep an eye out for. If you're, if you really want Jamison Williams, you might have to trade for those picks. Now that's all I'll say. You might want to where you might want to slide into the top five right now. If you want Jamison Williams, I feel like he really goes top five. And yeah, I think the same thing. I think like, um, like five is probably the last spot you could have a shot at getting him, especially if he lands anywhere decent. Like yeah. we talked about a pre-pod. If he lands on Kansas City or Green Bay, this dude might go one-on-one. So, um, you know, personally, I don't know if I'd be taking him there. But, 
there, there will be other people who will if he lands in one of those spots. Uh, the the upside is there. I, I'm yes, like Mr. Max. I have 106, man, and I'm banking on him being there at 106. And no now, chance. Like, no chance. There's always a chance, Peter. If he goes to like the New York Jets, he'll be there at 106. No, he won't. Listen, if he goes to the Texans, he'll be there at 106. Actually, no. If he goes to the Texans, they'll be like, oh, you know, he's the only guy down there. Oh, there is no way. Like, he will narrative himself no matter where he gets drafted into being a top five pick. But with that being said, that's going to wrap up our reports from around the realm section. And we're going to get into our rookie tight ends first, which uh, I'll be taking a little bit of a deeper dive in. Um, and then we'll get into rookie running backs following that. And then right into Max's trade corner. All right. Here we are. Rookie tight ends pre-draft rankings again after the draft's over and uh, all the dust has settled, the smoke settled or whatever the saying is, we will be doing all of these rankings over again uh, so that you can be as prepared as possible for your, for your uh, rookie drafts. Because from what we found out, a lot of people do them after the draft. Uh, I know we've talked about it. We prefer to do it before, but a lot of people enjoy to do it post. Starting off with the first overall pick for our tight ends, there's no other person here possibly for myself. I know for Jace and for Max as well. We have Mr. Trey McBride out of the University Colorado State. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a bit, I'm a big tight end fan, uh, but this year I just I really haven't been paying much attention. I mean, last year we had Pitts, we had Fryermuth. I think landing spot's going to be big, but this guy Trey McBride. Peter has talked about him all offseason. I, I probably dream about him most nights because I just hear Peter, oh, Trey McBride this, Trey McBride this, Trey McBride won't be there at 111. And there's a good – I really doubt Trey McBride's there at 111. I'm I mean, so serious with how – never mind. I'll let you talk. Uh, let me uh, – I just – I was going to ask – pose a question of where would Trey McBride have to go for you to take him, like, top eight? I, I really don't care where he lands. I'm not taking him 108. I – He's a hell of a tight end. Uh, Pro Football Reference has him listed at six four. Is that right? I thought we were like having him like not. six two or six three. It is okay. not. So at the NFL uh, scouting combine, as well as the Senior Bowl, he clocked in at six foot three and one eighth inches. But that's again with okay. cleats on and everything. Yeah, two forty six, which is like average tight end build. Um, and he did run a 40 at his pro day. He didn't run at the uh, NFL combine. His 40 yard time was 4.56 being the fastest of all, uh, all eligible tight ends that caught as many passes as him, like in the same range. So, but I can, I can gush about Trey McBride for a while. He was, uh, he was my first love for the, uh, for the jets before they double addressed tight end and spent $42 million over the next two years on it. Joe Douglas has uh, has his rare L's, and that is one that I, I think he has done. Uh, but Trey McBride's going to potentially be an early second-round pick in the NFL draft. I see no problem drafting him in the first round this year, no matter where he lands, as long as he's not behind somebody. Yeah, I just – for me personally, just – I mean, other than Pitts, who's was just the unicorn, I, I don't see – McBride or pretty much any rookie tight end stepping into a whole lot of work. It's going to, you know, I think he's going to be one of those guys that you can go buy in a year or two, depending on where he lands and if he could shove behind someone. But I did want to share some stats. Uh, this is from at Dwayne McFarland from the PFF uh, fancy podcast. Shout out to them. You know, Ian Harditz and Dwayne McFarland on the podcast. 
are just electric. So uh, give that a listen if you're not listening to us. But 2021, Trey McBride, 35% target share. Holy schmoly, 35%. And then tight that, end. Uh, that in, top, yeah, top five receiver in college football, regardless of position. Yeah, I mean, uh, and then he had a 96.1 PFF grade, which is second behind Kyle Pitts. The dude is special. He is shorter. Um, and I do think that might come to affect him in the red zone, depending on his landing spot. Uh, he only put up one touchdown in his most previous season, his most dominant season, where he put up 90 catches for 1,121 yards. Um, I, I do think he's a freak of nature, but I think, you know, the size, what we've seen in college didn't show a whole lot of touchdown upside. I don't know if that changes going in, into the NFL. I think we could see him become a really nice PPR um, tight end, but I, I, I kind of just lack to see the, you know, that number one overall upside Here. in the tight end rankings. Really quick, before we like really dive into these tight ends, this is something that I've been really wanting to address. When I was going through the draft and our rookie draft last year, I saw people taking just random running backs that they had no real knowledge about just because they said, oh, I need to draft running back 202, 203 when there's still like ample talent level at these other positions. So like, I'll pose this question to you. Why are people drafting the sixth best wide receiver on the board when the first best tight end is still there? Uh, I think for a number of reasons, one, they probably produce a little bit quicker, you know, the tight end position other than the true elite guys really doesn't matter who you have and who you're starting each week. So I just feel like it's a much more replaceable asset like Brevin Jordan, is a guy I really love, was drafted pretty high, athletic freak. I got that dude off of waivers in a dynasty league. So, you know, I just think they just don't find themselves in, you know, like a Kyle Pitts situation where they're walking into like a 20 plus percent target share. So I think it's just a super long-term investment in the wide receivers and other positions will probably just pay off sooner. Yeah. Um, wide receiver ones usually, these are people usually drafted wide receiver, sorry, tight end one. Uh, over the last three seasons, 2021, it was Kyle Pitts, 2020, Adam Troutman, uh, low, bad class. And then 2019 was TJ Hawkinson. All right. Moving on to our consensus number two tight end, we have Greg Dulcich. Uh, I can speak about Dulcich a little bit. He flashed, flashed, flashed at the combine, ran really silky smooth routes. But on top of that, he ran a really good 40 time, I believe, too. Yeah, you're in a 46940 and he sits at six foot four, 243. I believe he has like a full inch and a half technically on Trey McBride as well. He's a pretty big dude. He's a converted wide receiver as well. I really just like him just because of the flow. I mean, you look at the guy's flow, <laughs> you know he's gonna be a successful NFL player. And he ran a four six nine. You gotta love that as well. So nice. 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 Yeah, the biggest thing I like about him is, you know, he's coming out as a redshirt junior, but he only played one game his redshirt freshman year, I guess. So he's technically coming out as a junior with playing time. And his final season, 42 catches, 725 yards, five tutties. Yeah, like you said, he's a little bit of a shorter guy. Six three is what they have him listed, pro football reference. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a solid talent, but, you know, I don't think a yeah. late second, early NFL in, in a rookie draft. Yeah, NFL Combine had him at like I believe six four and a quarter, mm -hmm. or like six four and a half or something like that. So that ended up 
you know, bumping him a considerable size. So like you could see the size difference between him and McBride. Okay. And like your yeah. average league tight end is going to be six foot four, six foot four and a half, six five. Um, you're not really going to find anybody under six three. Yeah. Dulcich had a pretty good year for the UCLA Bruins. So looking at his 2021 Pac-12 season, he did play in 11 games. So he was pretty stable for them as well. His average depth of target, uh, depth of reception was 17.3. So he's going to be a down the field kind of receiver where he's going to catch the ball. It's not going to be like little tight end screens. He's going to be like over the middle guy that can, can really grab contested catches. And again, seeing the flow, just Peter out of the back of his head, uh, out of the back of his helmet. It's really cool. And the mustache. He's old school. We're bringing the seventies back. Right on. I love it. All right. And then these last uh, three guys I did want to mention. And again, with the tight ends, we're not going to get too deep again. Every draft, there's not many that come out in our impact players. Um, but I did want to touch on three of them and then have an honorable mention section for two. Uh, Isaiah Likely, Jeremy Ruckert, and then Jake Ferguson. When I see all these three guys, and Isaiah Likely, 6'4", 245 from Coastal Carolina, Jeremy Ruckert, is six foot five, two fifty from Ohio State, and Jake Ferguson is six foot five, two fifty from Wisconsin. When I see a lot of these guys play, and believe me, I was at the Senior Bowl. I wasn't there physically, but I was there mentally, mm. watching it all day long. It was it was on the entire day, and I I got to watch a lot of them catch the ball. They were physical specimens. You saw how big these dudes were, and just jacked while they couldn't catch the ball like McBride, like you saw how like just the ball clung to McBride's hands. I saw a lot of professional tight end isms in them being able to catch and turn up field really quick. Their blocking was incredible and we don't get points for that in fantasy, but likely running a four, eight Ruckert running a four, seven, and then Ferguson running a four, eight as well. They're a little bit slower, but you also get the height adjusted speed. So they're only like a second behind these other guys, a second, a second and a half. I think it's perfectly fine. And and these guys are going to be red zone threats moving forward. Sorry. We're, I mean, we're taking these guys in the third round um, of single quarterback yeah. leagues. Yes. And they're, they're more just red zone tight end kind of guys. Um, I bet a lot of these guys won't even get drafted. Some of them, like one or two of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're like we we play in a, le- a league with a lot of Ohio State boys, they're going to take the Ohio State guy. Obviously, um, they've seen him play week in and week out. But these Rucker's guys are really good. I- I've seen a lot of tape on Rucker. Yeah, and I mean, we were talking before the show, and you you said these guys remind you of Dalton Schultz a lot. And I mean, I can see that from the the comparisons what you've said and mentioned so far. I haven't really dove that deep into the tight end film. It's more I know it really gets you going there. But hey, man. A third rounder for one of these guys, he hits, you flip him. It's a, it's a solid investment. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it's going to be about landing spot for these guys. Let's not, let's not be curt here. Like I'm going to try to elaborate on this as much as possible and just say, Oh, it doesn't matter where they land, blah, blah, blah. This, it matters where these guys land. It matters the situation they get behind. Wide receiver and tight end, a lot of people say, you know, you have to be great catching the ball, X, Y, Z. But the difference between a tight end and a wide receiver in fantasy is there's three wide receivers that play almost every single snap, whereas there's only one tight end. Sometimes there's two. And when there's two, they usually run a ball. 
So the positional scarcity is so much more important as well, knowing that a guy's going to be getting snaps, knowing that a guy's going to start. Whereas a lot of these wide receivers that we're going to end up drafting are either going to be playing every single snap or close to like 50 or 60% of snaps uh, moving forward. So when you do draft one of these guys, while the skill set is nice, the situation is a lot, a lot, a lot more important. Yeah, real quick, I, I do like Isaiah Likely. His senior year put up 912 yards with 59 catches, put up 12 touchdowns, uh, you know, and he's a bigger boy, 6'4", so kind of just above that threshold or at that threshold we usually see tight ends at. But I'm going to throw my honorable mention out here, and I, I believe Nick C will be with me on this one. Uh, Jelani Woods uh, from Oklahoma State played his final season at Virginia, actually. Um, senior year, 44 catches, 598 yards, only eight touchdowns. But if there's anyone that could just easily translate to an NFL field as a blocker or just a red zone threat, it's Jelani Woods. This dude is 6'7", 275, listed on pro football reference. That is a gigantic human being. And if you're watching him at the combine, I mean, he had a, he had a couple drops, looked a little unathletic here and there. But for the most part, I could not believe that man was 6'7", running around like that. So Shades um, of par. He's definitely. Yes. Shades I've of par, shades of Jared Cook. I mean, He's just freakishly tall. Dude, you know, don't maybe, you don't know, rope the greatest this. tight end of all time in with Jelani Woods. <laughs> Tony Gonzalez? No, bro. Rob King Gronkowski? Cook. No, bro. King Cook? King Cook. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I should have guessed him first. He is the GOAT. He, there's no greater tight end in all of fantasy football. Yeah. I I'm mean, sorry. Hey, one catch for seven yards and a touchdown really gets me riled up every week, too, man. Hey, man. Look, you just don't understand the beauty. What he adds to the, he gets the guys going on your oh, team. Oh yeah, 100%. you know he's a great motivational speaker for your team. You know, he listen first ballot uh, Hall of Famer for fantasy football. I know we're getting that going in our league this year. So you can propose it at the owners' meeting, but I mean, I will be. Then, there's nothing like being on a Monday night and seeing your opponent as Jared Cook and be like, "Well, oh, I don't have to watch this game. He's not going to catch a ball." So. <laughs> It's it's one of my favorite things to do and play against him as well, Peter. So I think we're on the same page there. Are you actually like playing him on your roster? I love I love Jared Cook, and it, it's it's become the meme, you know, kind of like the Marlon Mack meme. He was great five years ago, and he just always found his way out of my teams when I was younger. Uh, so I have a very sentimental spot for Jared Cook. That man, that man's a freak, and you know what? He's just the perfect like super late round guy, you know, mm-hmm. just. Grab him, throw him on your team. Who knows what he's some games will put up 16, some games will put up two. Who knows? Yep. The consistency I want. Woods, watch out. Exactly. Nothing like it. All right. Jace, you had one more uh little sleeper at tight end. I did have one more uh sleeper. Jalen Widermeyer out of Texas AM, 6'5, 255, listed on pro football reference. I like the size, and the biggest thing that I like out of him is he's coming out into the draft as a pure junior. Um, after playing three seasons at Texas A&M, never really put up any crazy stat lines, but the fact that he's coming out that young just makes him a nice dynasty piece. If he lands on the right spot, he's someone I just want to throw on the taxi um, if I had the room for it and just let him develop and see what happens. Uh, just a really young dude. Yeah, something that I will say, a lot of the NFL experts are talking about how deep this tight end class is, and they've been talking about it for months and months and months usually you don't see like a tight end class that could produce multiple starters. Uh, So it's usually like one or two starters, but this class apparently from what I'm hearing 
has guys that are going to be playing for a while and starting as tight end one ones for teams, whether or not they're going to be in a, like a heavy passing role, that's to be determined. Uh, but the talent level is there to have multiple actual starters moving forward for some of these teams. Yeah. And I think a lot of them too, like the guy from Ohio state, like I feel Rucker. like he's going to get drafted to be, yeah, he's going to be drafted to be an a one blocker off the edge. And I think, you know, some of these guys are going to get pushed up NFL draft boards because they're better at their blocking than catching. And that's just an aspect of professional football that we have to deal with as fantasy players. Not all these guys are drafted to catch touchdowns and passes. So um, I do think this is an overall a really good class. Um, I just don't know how many guys we're going to see, you know, in the top 12 tight ends or anything like that. All right. That's going to wrap it up for our tight end talk. And now the more interesting talk. Rookie running back rankings. Dun, 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 dun. All right. We're here with our consensus rookie running back rankings. I feel like there's uh, there's no qualms for now. We've we've heard this name two years out now. Uh, Brees Hall out of Iowa State, 5'11", 217, ran a 4'39", 40-yard dash time. He's our number one and all consensus number one. Everyone ranked him number one running back for this rookie class. I'm surprised Jace did, man. No, oh, man. I, I, I came around. Were you not there for that? I, I finally got uh, convinced on the man. I, 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 can't, I, uh, I came around. I wouldn't, like, put it past you to, like, sneak, like, Traylon Burks, like, as a running back. Like, yo, or, like, hey, he is dual threat. He got the rush attempts. So, but if he were the running back, uh, a pure running back in this class, 101. There you go. If he had run, a running back eligibility, there we go. He'd be uh, Jace's 101. But – I mean, just getting into it, 23 touchdowns the past two seasons is absolutely crazy. Um, Like 23 touchdowns in 2021, 23 touchdowns in 2020. The man's an absolute machine. I I see why he's getting comparisons to Jonathan Taylor. I think that's very high praise. I really think it all comes down to landing spot. I mean, if this man lands in Houston, yikes. Um, But if he lands in an offense like Atlanta or something like really nice with some good upside, Buffalo – Watch out because there, people are going to be itching for that one-on-one. I have a question, uh, and it, it's a very serious question. Okay, we talked about Najee Harris last year, and he was the consensus number one running back. You know, before the season even started, and he goes to Pittsburgh, who had a terrible offensive line. Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball. Yep. What's the difference if he goes to Houston? He's yeah, going to get I, the I work, pers- and that was the thing. Najee's Najee got the work and finished really well. I don't care if he goes to Houston. He's going to get the work. I'm in the same camp, man. Like uh, I was sitting about sitting around thinking about it today there. I mean, his competition would be Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead and just a bunch of bums. And, you know, if the good thing that I like about him coming out of college, one, he's coming out as a junior, really nice. Max read the touchdowns. The yards are insane. 1400 plus yard seasons over the past two years, including a 1572 yard season in 2020. He was a non-zero in the uh, receptions category each year. 23 catches as a freshman, 23 as a sophomore, 36 as a junior. So, you know, if he ends up on the Texans and Brandon Cooks gets traded and, you know, maybe they draft someone, wide receivers take a little while to develop. This dude might just be an absolute workload monster and efficiency just might go completely out the door like it did for Najee. So, yeah, I, I'm, I would love him to land there. Hey, look, they get to play the Jaguars twice. Yeah. There's two bump games. Here's here's my counter argument real quick. We don't have to, like, harp on this too long. 
Najee, there was other pieces in Pittsburgh, whether it was Claypool, Juju was there for a little bit, Deontay Johnson, they had a good defense. They weren't getting blown out. They could run the ball. They are going to be in close games. Houston, there's nobody else to key on. They're going to stack the box. What are they going to do? Throw it to Nico Collins? The whole thing is they stack the box against Big Ben. Like, I know you're an avid fan of AFC North football, but when any team played the Steelers, they would just borderline rush five because they knew that offensive, that defensive line could get to them and, and just be fine. Four, they'd, they'd rush, they'd rush like three and then blitz two, or they'd rush four and blitz one. And they just knew that offensive line would crumble. And even when Najee was running the ball, like it was the same exact thing. Again, like we talk about this opportunity. Opportunity is the most important intangible in fantasy football. I don't care. I don't care about a player's leadership. I don't care about X, Y, Z. And, you know, you can go back in tapes and I probably praised Dak's leadership and said, that's why I love him, you know, but you have, you have, I don't, I don't care about leadership when it really comes to scoring fantasy points. The in most important intangible is opportunity. And if he finds his way into Houston, that's incredible. He's going to get the opportunity to run the rock, right? He finds himself in, Kansas City, I don't care because then the narrative is, oh, you know, he's going to be the new number one back there now. There's going to be a narrative around him no matter where he lands, and that's how you know a player's good. There was not a narrative around Clyde no matter where he landed. When there's going to be a positive narrative around a player no matter where they land, that's how you know it's a good player. My dad says it all the time, and I know it's a super old phrase, but it says, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. If you have to say if, if you have to say if for a player, probably not going to be a guaranteed pick. Now, ifs work out sometimes. You know, Elijah Moore was an if, right? Oh, he's on the Jets, you know, if he can get the right target share. If they work out, but it's not surefire to work out. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think to kind of sum everything up, Max, I mean, you'd be a little hesitant with him going to Houston, but honestly, I think he's pretty bulletproof, whatever team he lands on. Uh, if there's any kind of draft discount, rookie season, uh, rookie draft season, and you need a running back on your team and you need an alpha running back, you're going to want to spend a pick on this kid. Um, even if, you know, things start slow, this dude, I think he's going to get the draft capital behind him. He's going to carry plenty of his own trade uh, value in your leagues. There's always going to be someone who believes in this kid. You know, 46 touchdowns over two years, that is – extremely hard to ignore you know touchdowns are a non-sticky stat but when you're putting up 46 touchdowns there's something there yeah worst comes to worst he finds himself in a 50 50 split like javante and and then he then the narrative goes oh you know saving touches on him you know it it doesn't matter the narrative's gonna find itself and i think he he's narrative proof he is narrative proof narrative proof i like that all right, our number two running back, my second, Max's second, and Jace's third, we find Kenneth Walker, the third, Michigan State University. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know. I mean, we're looking at his stats now. I didn't even know he went to Wake Forest before Michigan State, to be honest. He just, like, kind of came on the scene this year, um, exploded. The big game I remember having him, he had five touchdowns that one game, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken. But the man, I mean, also a junior coming out. Um, which we like to see, and 19 touchdowns. We, we love to see that coming out. I mean, he's young. He's very powerful. He was up for the Heisman there for a little bit. So I, I yes, really he was. 
I like his uh his his talent. Uh, he came in six. six for the yeah, six for the Heisman. But I mean, to me, what is he five ten? I think he is five nine two eleven from nine. the NFL scouting combine. I like him again. It's all going to depend on landing spot. He's a very quick. He he reminds me of Lev Bell. Lev Bell went to Michigan State. That's who I'm going to compare him to. Yeah, I think for me, honestly, I was thinking about this earlier today. Other than Brees Hall, all these other backs, and I kind of said this to Max the other day, I kind of just see them all as committee backs, um, filling their roles on their respective teams. So honestly, if I'm not like relatively compete now or young competitor, I'm probably just, you know, moving back off of these picks, not reaching up on these running backs, taking these wide receivers in this draft, because I do think they're going to be the ones who really pay off. Um, So if I'm rebuilding, I'm honestly probably trying to trade out of most of these guys. I do think Isaiah Spiller has some upside, but Kenneth Walker, I mean, three receptions is a freshman season, three receptions is sophomore year, his junior year, when you put up uh, 1,636 yards, 13 catches. I mean, he's just a non-factor in the passing game, and that just really worries me that he's going to end up at first and second down, and, you know, landing spot is really going to matter for a first and second down back. Yeah, I won't have much to add. I watch a lot of Big Ten football. I've talked about that, and he was definitely one of the studs and standouts. He, he's got a lot of speed. Uh, his uh, 40 time is a 4.38, so he's a, he's a speedster. The only thing is whether or not he's going to get those catches. For now, it looks like not, uh, so you will be getting a discount in the draft, uh, whether he goes as the second or third or possibly even the fourth running back off the board. And I've, I've seen a myriad of different uh, – variations the way that the draft has gone with running back so uh, I think he's a very solid running back and I would be more interested in him when I find the landing spot and again here's here's the narrative if if he gets the right landing spot I'll be more interested yeah he's an if guy for sure most most of these guys from this point on probably if guys 100 all right number three Isaiah Spiller Texas A&M six foot tall 217 my number four, Jace is number two, Max is number three. Yeah, it's just it really gets gross for me, honestly. After after Walker and um, Brees Hall, I, again, it's we're gonna be sound repetitive. It's all about landing spot. The guy had seven touchdowns in twenty twenty one. He barely had over a thousand yards. To me, it's like if he lands with a and a running back by committee, like if. Patriots running back by committee. Yeah, Patriots or if like the the Raiders want to add him to go with Josh Jacobs as a one-two punch. Like, it's just not what I want to see from this guy. I mean, he's gonna have to have like, it's gonna have to be like a Clyde Edwards Alaire esque draft. Like, oh, the perfect scenario for this guy to go like pretty high in boards. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the best way to describe him is like he's pretty good at everything. Like. 1,000 yard or 946 yards his freshman year, 1,036 his sophomore year, junior year, 1,011 yards, 10 touchdowns, nine touchdowns, six touchdowns, 29 catches, 20 catches, 25 catches. Like nothing just pops off the charts for him. He's just kind of like well-rounded, but he's not truly elite at one thing or another. So um, honestly, I don't want to label him right out of college because he could just dump on me and prove me wrong but this reeks of jag for me honestly but the fact that he has the catch tool kind of is well-rounded all around he could land in a good spot and that's why i have him at two over kenneth walker just because he's shown that he can at least catch the ball more than three to ten times a year 
Yeah, when I when I think about a NFL running back, you want to think about them being strong while also being able to catch. So he does have that trait. But again, Jace harped on it and and said it perfectly. It's he has the trait, but he doesn't have the like greatness that surrounds the trait. Uh, he's just mm-hmm. average. Um, and again, he's going to be a, a landing spot guy, 100%. I feel like we don't have to get into it much more. All right, our number four running back, Brian Robinson out of the University of Alabama, six foot two, 225, ran a 4 5 yard dash. I mean, he's coming he, out as a senior, man. He a is really senior. quick, really quick. He is my number three, Jace is number eight, and Max is number four. I put him number four just because he went to Alabama in my book. I think he got buried behind a lot of uh, talent there in Alabama. Whenever I see Brian Robinson, I always think it's Bijan Robinson. I get really excited. I'm like, Oh, what's this guy doing here? Um, but that's not the case. And I should uh, get my eyes checked, but fifth year senior, he's 23. Does he turn 24 this year? Or did he just turn 23? Does anyone know? He just turned 23. Like I think a couple of weeks ago. I, I hope for his sake, because if he just turned 24, I wouldn't touch this guy with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> Dude, his career's almost over. He's got, like, two years. <laughs> he yeah, it's, started. It's, the, the only positive for me is that, like, Nick Saban likes to use a lot of different running backs. I mean, obviously, he's not going to play his freshman year. He didn't transfer. Um, he played five years at Alabama, so it shows, like, his toughness and grit. But like Peter said, I don't really care about character. I want your, I want your butt on the field getting me football points, fantasy points. I don't really want anything to do with Brian Robinson. I know he's humongous. Oh, actually, never mind. He's not. A, he looked really big to me on the screen when I was watching him play earlier this year. I thought he was like six three or six four. You already said it's six foot or six one is what Pro Football Reference has him. Final the uh, NFL, is, sorry, the the combine sat him at six two. Okay, so you know that's nice. Pretty big, tall guy. Um, but this final year, two hundred and seventy one attempts. So the dude can handle the rock, can handle the carries. 1,343 yards and 14 touchdowns. But my big problem is, I, I take that back. He had 35 catches his final year, but it feels kind of fluky. Uh, his normal, his regular, um, true senior year season, six catches the year before that, 11, and then zeros the two years prior in uh, nine and six games. So I don't know. He just strikes me as a first and second down back. And even at that, like I don't think he's going to get any kind of draft capital from an NFL team. And unless he landed on the <laughs> the Titans to straight up surplant Derrick Henry or, you know, for whatever reason, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt left out of Cleveland. He was the only guy. That's the only way I want him. I, I think he's the depth piece. Yeah, I I can I counter that's the fun part of the show. So Brian Robinson kind of had a, a rough go of it with having to sit behind some of the greatest running backs at the NFL scene over the last 10 years. So he had to sit behind uh, 2018, 2018, 2019 are the Josh Jacob years. 2020 is the Najee Harris year. Yeah, Damian Harris, wasn't he mixed in there somewhere as well? Damian Harris was mixed in there as well. So yeah, this guy has sat patiently behind a lot of these dudes. And, you know, anybody can say it's easy to run behind the Alabama offensive line. But again, he's playing in the SEC and he put up 1300 yards. It's not anything to overlook Uh, beyond that. The 35 receptions for 300 yards, it shows. I know Jay says it, it seems fluky, but for me, it shows that he finally got the full workload this past season. And that was him at a full workload. That was him being a three down back before last year. He had a split time with Najee Harris. 
So Najee was getting all the dump downs and Najee was the number one back. And, and now Brian Robinson got his chance while he is a little bit older. I would absolutely, you know, I would trade the farm for 201 if he's sitting there at 201 for me to draft him. I think he's six foot two and he runs like lightning for his size, man. At 6'2, 225, he ran a 4'5. Like he's a really quick dude, man. Uh, I am completely in. He learned five years behind some of the best running backs at Alabama. And again, he is an F guy. He is an F guy. Brees is in a tier of his own. Being the if guy that he is, if he can find his way into, there's no more three down backs in the NFL that are going to be like in this draft class outside of Brees. But if he can find himself into a split somewhere, I would be 100% interested. If he's in a run first scheme, like this, like the Saints, would you think of him like in Kamara splitting snaps? I Mark guess, Ingram, yeah, Kamara. I mean, maybe, but I don't know if that's, you know, worth anything. <laughs> I'm saying a second round pick. A second. Yeah. I mean, like, I just see like 202, 203 for this guy that's going to be fantasy relevant and had just an incredible season. I see. Just had like an incredible season. Like, imagine him in Seattle, him and Penny splitting snaps. Like, that sounds terrible in my mouth again. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) This guy just said, I'll be a pain in my ass. He's gonna be. A, he's gonna take carries away from some back like Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, and you're gonna hate him come April 28th. I guarantee that. I really like him, and if he gets an opportunity to be a three down back, you guys are gonna be laughing. Call us when that day that comes. Yep. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. All right. The rest of these guys, we have them off into a you know, if 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 double if tier. We'll just run through the names really quick, 40 times, and uh, how we think about them really quick. We have Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame, 5'9", 194, 4'6", 40-yard dash time. He is our consensus, all of us voted, consensus number five pick. Hey, he, he went to Notre Dame. That's why I picked him at number five. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I watch a lot of Notre Dame football, and he, he looked really good. I mean, He seven- popped. Yeah, I seven, mentioned him on one of the first episodes, actually. You did. You did. Mm-hmm. Uh, 17 touchdowns, over 1,000 yards rushing, just squeaked by that one. Um, and he added some good volume in the passing game, 42 catches. That's really impressive um, with Notre Dame. they have. I mean, they're obviously a pretty good offensive line like school, um, no, like not notoriously, but usually. Um, I, I really like him. That's why he's number five for me. I really like Kyron, too. I think, you know, the, the combine showing was just – terrible I think he got put in a bad position by some people you know kind of controlling his future per se I you know if he was going to run that slow he probably shouldn't have participated you know that might hurt him in the actual NFL draft but I I really hope some team sees through all that and ends up taking him in the second or really early third Um, because if I think he gets that draft stock I do think this is one of those kind of discount three down backs in the right situation but kind of the you know he pops but he's more or less an Isaiah Spiller to me. Not really. He doesn't really excel at one thing or another, but he looks like a solid running back. And on top of that, he's coming out uh, as a junior in this draft and you like the youth. So yeah, he's definitely someone I'm not, you know, sneezing on by any means. He's a, you know, probably going to be a good pick. Hopefully he falls to the, you know, lands on the right spot back half of the first early second, kind of in that range. That's, that's where I'd be looking to uh, scoop him up. And I think he could be a really good value. Kyron Williams to me, just really quick. He, you watch the tape, he pops. Again, we're going to sound like a broken record. It's about the situation. Where does he land? 
And we'll talk about that in the future episodes. Our number six back is Zamir White out of UGA, UGA, uh, University of Georgia. Six foot, 214, 4440, blazed it. There, there's really, I mean, he went to the national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, played in the SEC, coming out as a junior. Um, he did some, he didn't really do much on the receiving aspect of it, but 11 touchdowns, under 1,000 yards his junior year. This is kind of how Georgia played. Their defense really just like won them games. So I would expect him to have kind of more yards, honestly, um, because I thought they'd be up more. But again, I I feel like we're repetitive, but he's a landing spot. Yeah. A lot of the uh, the split time is due to our number number seven back coming up. Samir White and James Cook is, you know, the the next guy that we're going to talk about. These two give me a lot of. Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle vibes coming out of college where they were both obviously good enough to be on the field. They both split a ton of time together. So really none of them, either of them got the chance to truly pop. Um, but I do like Zamir White. Uh, I think he listed his height and weight, but it's six foot two fifteen on pro football reference, 11 tutties the past two seasons. Max, you know, said that he's not much of a pass catcher, but in between the tackles, relatively solid runner, but more so see him as a between the tackles first and second down back. And, you know, you have to be on a team that's ahead that, that can run the ball uh, for that to work out for you. So I think he's an interesting prospect. Uh, you know, the split backfield, I feel like uh, affected his stats. And I think he's going to become a really good value come draft day somewhere in the middle of that second round. Absolutely. And now we're going to get into James Cook, our number seven out of UGA, 5'11", 199-442. Is he somebody's brother? Uh, that 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 guy on the Vikings, uh, yeah, the, the Alvin dude, right? That guy was about to fall yeah, off the cliff this year. Him and yeah, that guy that hurt shoulder. Yeah, so James Cook is the brother of Dalvin Cook, uh, for the Minnesota Vikings from Florida State. But we're here to talk about James, and he ran. I believe I just said it, but I'm going to say it again. A four four two forty. He was more of the pass catcher. Uh, Jace kind of really broke it down well for us. I don't think there's much more to discuss. Seven hundred and twenty eight yards on the ground. And then in the receiving game, he had 27 receptions for 284 yards. Yeah, honestly, it surprises me that that reception total is not higher. You know, just he's a you know shorter guy under six foot. They were splitting the backfield. You, you'd like to see those receptions be even higher if that's what he was going to do in that offense. But, uh, man, the fact that he's Calvin's brother is going to give a lot of people hope. But for me, this guy reeks of jag, like just absolutely reeks of it. If it's it's like a – it's the reverse of Equinemia, St. Brown, and Amon Ross, St. Brown. The uh, the older brother succeeded in this case, and I, I think the younger brother is just – he's going to be on waivers by next year. All right, moving on to our number eight running back. We have Rashad White from Arizona State University, six foot 214, 448, 40-yard dash time. There's been a lot of buzz in the Dynasty Fantasy community about this guy. We only have two years of on record for him. It's his junior and senior year. Uh, for some reason, we couldn't find stats on 2019 or 2018, potentially. But Rashad White, he popped at the senior bowl. Uh, he looked really good. Uh, but we have him a little bit lower uh, due to not really being able to see that pop on the film. And as well as not playing in a, in a, like a big conference and being able to see him play in some big games. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let Jace talk about it. I mean, Jace, Arizona State. So, not take it away, man. Did you have any classes with him? Uh, no, I did not. I did not. Did I you, don't think I had a class with anybody cool. Did you see ASU. him on campus at all? 
I honestly couldn't tell you. There, there are so many people walking around that campus. It's just, it's overwhelming. It's yeah. hordes of people. Last but um, not least, if he was in your class, we asked Nick Cita, so it's only right. If he was in your class, what have you done his homework for him? Hell no. Hell no. I'm not even trying to draft this dude on my fantasy team, let alone do this man's homework. You know, he's coming out as a senior. You never really want to see that. Thousand rushing yards on the dot, 15 touchdowns. Receiving game, though, 43 receptions this past year. So that for 456 yards and a touchdown, you know, I just think he's really well-rounded. But at the end of the day, I just think he's another one of those guys that's well-rounded, but he's not a star. You know, he's he has no – he doesn't have the five points around him. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of a square for me. Max, anything? No, not, not much sad. I like that he had 1,000 rushing yards on the dot, not one over, not one under. Remember Nick Chubb's uh, rookie season? I think it what it was. He was at at a thousand, and then he got tackled in the backfield for minus one. It dropped in the nine ninety nine. Ah, Rip. That sucks. Typical Browns. Typical Browns. Isaiah Pacheco is our next back at number nine out of Rutgers University. Are you rah rah? Five foot ten, two sixteen. He ran the fastest forty yard time for a running back at four three seven. Peter, I'm going to let you take this one away, man. Are you rah, rah? Are you rah, rah? Hoorah, hoorah, Rutgers, rah. I did not attend uh, the college on the banks of the old rare tan, but I grew up right next to it. And uh, and I love Rutgers University. I, I love their games. And I end up watching a lot of their games. And on a drab and not so great team, he was an absolute standout. Him and the wide receiver, Bo Melton, were absolute standouts. And you saw it from the combine. Pacheco put up really good numbers, but again, he was not able to do it when it mattered the most, which is which is the problem uh, in the Big Ten. So he put up great numbers, and he would pop for you know two or three plays, and then you know eight or nine plays, he'd run right into a tackle for two yards. So it's going to be the old adage: is it the Jets or is it the player? So this is going to be: is it Rutgers or is it the player? Yeah, I have almost zero interest in Mr. Rutger. I feel sorry to say that, but just really zero college production whatsoever failed to eclipse over 730 yards in all four of his years at Rutgers played over 10 games in every season. Um, highest touchdown season was seven. His sophomore year just didn't do a whole lot in the receiving game. I, I don't know. I just, he feels super jaggy to me. More than a jag, man. Get, get next screen. Get me off this guy. <laughs> the only reason that I, I included him here is because of the 40 yard dash time. 437, sure. sitting at five foot 10, 216. You know, he's the prototypical guy. But again, it's going to be a, you know, team versus player argument. And that's yeah. same with Sam Darnold. So I think we know how that one kind of went. Hey, I will say, you know, if speed is his greatest characteristic. Watch out if he lands up like on a 49ers team or a Jets team or, Anywhere with any kind of Shanahan background because we're mm-hmm. Mostert. I mean, we know what he can do. Undrafted guy out of college, I believe. Um, yeah. You know, speed speed will get you a contract and get you some opportunities at the running back position and the right scheme. So, you know, if he re- lands in a you know running back carousel team under a Shanahan system like that, he, he's probably worth the third round pick in a taxi yeah. squad because people get hurt and shoot in the right run scheme. But that guy's speed, it could end up working out. Yeah. And another point that I will mention, it, 
I'm not saying that playing in the NFL is hard, but I would say having a natural born skill to run quickly. And that's all that you have to do basically to be productive is run and you find a good offensive line. It's not going to be terribly hard to be good. I agree. Totally, man. You can't teach, you can't teach speed, man. That's why, that's why we see McCall Hardman and guys like him get, you know, shot in, in the bag the, uh, outer space, you know? Yeah. When it comes NFL draft season, the what's the kid Calvin Austin. Uh, ran that yeah. 40 yard dash blazing like 40 anthony schwartz for the browns what a wasted yep. pick but you gotta you try for the speed man because if you hit a tyree kill i mean it changes the the outlook of your organization for the next five six seven eight years so uh, yeah All always right. keep an eye out for the speed guys last but not least we have hassan haskins out of the university of michigan go blue sorry uh sorry all ohio listeners Six foot two, two twenty eight, and he ran a four seven four, forty yard dash time. Yeah, I mean, a little slow for a running back as we like to see. Don't like that he's a senior, but twenty touchdowns to senior year is what we do like to see. And you know, Michigan had a really good team last year, so they were playing really tough defenses, and he was really the focal point of that offense. So, best I, offensive line in the Big Ten. Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I really, really like this guy coming out of Michigan. And he even did like his receiving work, didn't have any receiving touchdowns in there. Um, but really 20 touchdowns all on the ground, really impressive. Yeah, you can pretty much copy and paste my, you know, uh, Brian Robinson or whatever first and second down back I was talking about earlier. You can copy and paste my argument here. We sound like a broken record. It is all based on landing spot. And if their team's going to be yeah. ahead, and he's going to get the opportunity to land in the end zone. <laughs> Maybe not 20 yeah. times, but I, times. I just liked uh, Brian Robinson more than him, in particular because of the receiving game that we were able to see from Robinson, where Definitely. I understand it's not Michigan's game to have running backs catch the ball. Uh, it's really not their game to pass the ball, period. So, you know, he had 270 attempts in a single season. Like, come on. Um, yeah. that, that yardage number is definitely pumped up. Uh, Hassan Haskins will get a job somewhere and he'll just be a bruiser LeGarrette Blunt type for his career. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to go back and say with the Brian Robinson thing, I really wasn't thinking about all the competition he had back in the day. You know, part of me is like, well, he obviously wasn't good enough to beat out that talent. So we got a tier below these guys, but I, I do looking back on things, the 35 catches and a full workload that is, that might inspire me to move him up a couple spots, to be honest, to, uh, to go back and, uh, give you some credit where it's due, Peter. Thank you. No, and he passes the eye test. He looked he looked really good this year, and you can just tech, check out his tape. And again, see Alabama offensive line. He's running behind. You know, it's not a ragtag group of guys, but he plays yeah, in the he SEC. Plays he big, plays man. in the SEC. He played really well uh, against that Georgia that first meeting. I can't remember exactly how he played in the national championship, but yeah, I can't remember easy. But I remember watching and being like, he destroyed Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Oh yeah, everyone yeah. I mean, destroyed Cincinnati. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Yeah. Look, Rutgers isn't getting there anytime soon. So at least you got to enjoy it. All right. That's going to wrap up our running back section. And I believe school is in session right now. I'm really happy with the feedback that we got from last week's uh, session of class. It seems like a lot of students were listening. Um, Shout out Mike Sikin. Your urgency when you tried it out was subpar. Um, We need to... (laughs) have some interest first before we express urgency 
um, because <laughs> if you're just going to throw out, say, hey, these guys uh, expire at midnight, I don't really want them if they're expiring at midnight for some reason. So you got to have some interest there before urgency. I probably should have expressed that one. Um, but <laughs> it's just uh, it really backfired this past week as well. You know, I, I didn't get many trades done. I was disappointed with myself, with my performance. Um, people were coming to me and they're like, hey, like you interested in trades? Like, yeah, like throw out an offer. And they're like, nope, you can throw out the first one. So it seems like I was giving out some good hints, I would say. But I'm actually going to bring an example to the class today, and it has to do with Peter. I don't trade oh. with Peter very often, and Peter actually proposed this trade to me uh, out of the blue. And on the last episode, I don't know if you guys remember, Peter said he would pay 111 for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So I was like, I would trade Clyde Edwards-Alaire for 111 all day. And then, so the trade was Marcus Mariota, which honestly – it could have been a bag of chips. I would have rather had a bag of chips than Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota, Amara St. Brown, and 111 for Calvin Ridley and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And he proposed this trade to me, and my team is completely rebuilt or, like, not really going for it at all this year, and Peter's team is competitor. You know, he's going for it all. So I was like, why is he trading away Amon Ross St. Brown? Like, that's a wider seer form for Ridley who's not going to play. Um, but then I looked at his running backs. I saw that he had Derrick Henry. He had Michael Carter. He had Josh Jacobs. He had a bunch of guys that were just Miles Sanders as well. They were just meh, you know? And I think Clyde is also just meh. But I think in his mind, it's like he's not going to get hurt by Derrick Henry and he's going to add running back depth. And I mean, honestly, to have five starting running backs on a roster, it's really all you can do. And he had the wide receiver depth to lose. So gaining Calvin Ridley. And if let's say Calvin Ridley comes back next year and is the Calvin Ridley, we know Peter a hundred percent won that trade for me. It was more of the idea of like playing chess, not checkers, which is another one of my lessons for today of I got one eleven, I already had one Oh six to me in my mind. I'm already, I'm already thinking, how can I move one Oh six and one eleven? You know, you always thinking three steps ahead. You have to be, man. I mean, you got players like, like an Amon Ra, you know, I, I knew he'd have some interest around the league. I got him right away. Super producer Nick C said, hey, what do you want for Amon Ra? And it's, it's good to hear these, uh, hear it out. You know, it's always good to listen to offers. There's some people in our league that are like, oh, this guy's untouchable, blah, blah, blah. Sadly, no guy's untouchable. Joe and Douglas, I- Joe Douglas, the Jets GM said it best when he was receiving calls for Sam Darnold. He said, look, my mother raised me to be a very respectable young man. And when somebody calls, you answer. That doesn't mean you have to accept. It just means you answer and listen to them. Yeah. And that's really, that's all you can do. And just listening and giving people the courtesy of like hearing them out will go a long way rather than saying, oh, this guy's untouchable. They're not going to want to trade with you. And we talked about it last week, building rapport and stuff like that. Um, But Peter, overall, really good trade. I was really more most importantly i was just proud of peter for sending a fair trade and uh it ended up going through but the one trade i want to focus on that i'm trying to make right now is actually a trade to move up in the draft you guys got me thinking in the episode and it's like I, this is not what i was going to talk about but i really think it's close so this one's with another league mate who's more comp- competing this year and i'm more rebuilding so giving you guys a little sneak peek in my world i sent over when i made the trade to get 111 I sent over 106 and 111 for 102. Thought he might bite on it. He said it didn't really interest him that much. 
I was like, shoot, like I really want 102. So I ended up sending over Michael Gallup 111 and 106 for 102. What are our thoughts on that trade? Give me the 102. Are you Jamison Williams at 102? I'm whoever the Chiefs or Packers take at wide receiver at 102. Well, what if they go 101? Then you get Brees Hall at 102. Then I'll take Brees Hall, but they're they're not going to go 101. Yeah, I, I like the 102 because personally I think there's a tier of the first four wide receivers. I'm not 100% sold on Jamison Williams into that top tier. I think the top four picks are Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, and Drake London. Um, landing spot could definitely switch that around. But for now, I want one of those top end guys. 106, that could end up being, you know, Chris Olave, Christian Watson. Solid wide receiver, but more often than not, probably not going to end up one being one of those top end guys. 111, you know, depth wide receiver, you're hoping to take a shot on, you know, a George Pickens or a Dotson if he lasts that long. It, it's kind of a flip of a coin. Gallup, I think Dallas probably – if, you know, if a wide receiver falls in their lap in the draft, they might do it so he could end up being the third again. They're going to add him. They're going to add a wide receiver. Uh, Jerry Jones was talking to Chris Olave today. Apparently, Olave had a uh, meeting with the Cowboys. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think of wide receiver. I, I like the 102. I think we talked about it before as well. That asset is going to continue to appreciate. And yes. once the draft happens and people are like, we know exactly where those guys are going – the top three picks are going to be the most expensive thing in fantasy. Even if it's, you know, Isaiah Spiller gets drafted to the best spot ever and everyone's hyping him up. Even if you don't like Isaiah Spiller in the top three, if he's projected yeah. to go there and you have one of those picks, I mean, you have the world in the palm of your hand, essentially. Yep. And yeah, I think, yes, Peter, we're going to get to you. I think the kid just stole my notes. I mean, I was literally about to say, this is the last week though I'm trading for draft, draft picks. Peter, what do you got? So when you're doing trades and again it's always 3d chess you're saying you're always looking forward to the next move right so since you got 102 i was wondering if you're thinking about the draft order and kind of predicting in the future who can possibly be there based on team context yeah absolutely we did a little bit of this before the episode um it's really funny when a kid in our league he continues to end up with these first round picks every single year and i don't know what i'll do with him he has jefferson and chase on his team but you brought this up, Peter, and I think it's a very good thing. And like it's, it goes along with building rapport. You have to know the team context. You have to know who they're going to possibly take. Like we play with a lot of Ohio State fans. They're going to take Olave and Wilson earlier than they should go. But I mean, I don't have 102 yet. But like I was saying before, this is the last week I'm trading for picks because the leading up to the draft and everything like that, picks are only going to get more expensive, as Jay said. And like if I have a 102 or something like that, I'll easily trade him for the known commodity, whether it's like, I mean, I would trade it for a haul, right? If I get it, I'm going to trade it for a haul, probably like a guy that I know will prove in and out and not just a question mark at wide receiver, you know? And then beyond that, I know you said you love Jameis Williams, right? Let's say, you know, it ends up being sky more to green Bay and you're like, eh, like some, some tiered wide receiver that you're not happy about going to Kansas city. Would you be fine moving from 102 back to like 105 and grabbing Williams anyway? 100%. Or, so like you're just holding on to that pick for capital now. Yeah. I'm kind of like capital in the future. Yeah. It's kind of like buying, like I'm buying a little dip right now. Um, I, not that there's a dip, but there's a like. When you look at the 10 year graph, it's exactly. going to be a dip. Exactly. Yeah. So 
I mean, if I get 102, I'm immediately cashing out on the pick, getting a player, getting a great return on my investment there, and then doing that again. Whether I get, let's say, hypothetical here, I get, I don't know, give me a player you think I can get with 102. Uh, with 102, you could probably get like Adams, probably get Gibson. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like that strategy, Max. And I think one thing that it's good to remember is, you know, if a guy that you really like ends up on a terrible spot, but you still like the prospect. Say it's like a Drake London, he goes somewhere terrible. The birds. And you're really bought in on him. Yeah, if, if he goes somewhere terrible like Philadelphia like that, you know, and you have one of those top-end picks and you know he's going to be later in the draft, I love what you're saying, Max. You know, the player and the talent, you'd like to believe it's going to shine through. We always bring back JT over Clyde – or Clyde Edwards Lair over JT and how that's worked out. You always kind of want to bet on the talent. So, yeah, once it's time to sell that pick and, you know, Max, for example, you got uh, Chase Claypool and some other things on top for moving back a handful of spots. Like, that's definitely you sh- uh, a move you should be willing to make, especially if you're a rebuilder and when you're kind of just trying to, you know, deepen up your roster and give yourself a better probability for guys to hit their full potential um, at some 100%. point. A hundred percent. And, like, I mean, we got super producer next to like, in the chat. I mean, Gibson, DJ Moore. I would gladly DJ take Moore. DJ Moore. I mean, instead of 102, DJ Moore is a proven commodity that's had a thousand yards every year he's been in the league. I was going to say DJ Moore. He's had, I saw a full list of his quarterbacks going back to college. I mean, he might as well have me throwing the ball out there after my elbow surgery. Like, I mean, the, some of these names, I, I couldn't believe it. So, yeah, DJ Moore, especially, he's only 24. If he were in this draft class coming out of college, I mean, he'd probably, he'd probably be the 101 or uh, top three pick at least a hundred percent. And I think the note I want to leave you guys on is like, if you guys are still listening to the podcast, you're obviously playing a version of chess. Everyone plays chess differently. A lot of your league mates just play checkers. They play it in the off season or they don't do anything in the off season. They pick it up. They compete. They treat it as like a competitor thing and they just don't have success. If you're really going to have success and you're going to build a dynasty team, which is what the ultimate goal is and what we're trying to help you do is build a dynasty team. You have to always be looking for the future and always be thinking three steps ahead. And every move I make, it's how can I trade that guy like right away? Like no guy should get comfortable on my team, whether it is DK is the only guy that has a spot in the master bedroom. Other than that, no one's safe. Never, never let yourself be backed into a corner. hundred percent, Peter. I love that. Um, There's some players there's some like players in our league, not NFL players, actual like fantasy players in our league where you can see the thought behind the moves that they make. And then it's just like, is head scratching months later. Like when you look at their team context, I'm not going to name names, not going to name names. Um, But there's, and I know Max and Jason, you know, we haven't discussed it, but they know some people off the top of their head that I see them nodding. They're just like, you just don't understand where somebody's going with some moves. And again, they're playing yeah. checkers. They're playing for immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. Totally. Delay your gratification. Totally. Shout out uh, Mario from New Jersey. Uh, good friend of the podcast and an avid listener always says that delay your gratification in life and even more so in, in fantasy. hundred percent. And you just got to put in the work, man. I mean, like we talk about chess, like no one knows how to play chess. Like no one's like checkers is pretty self-explanatory. It's a pretty easy game, but no one really knows how to play chess unless you actually put in the work, you learn it. I mean, you guys can name, if we went through a list and named 10 players from the diet, like 
dynasty players, I could tell you exactly whose team they're on right now. Like, yep, I yes. study this. Well, look, I think you're a freak. I but... am a freak. I'm an exception, though, Peter. Like, like I can look, name man, your starting lineup. That's a gift. That's a gift. You could use that gift for good. Oh wait, you already are on this podcast, Peter. I can name. I can name all your starting lineups right now, off memory. Well, look, maybe we'll leave that till next episode. We're running a little late on time. But I did want to thank the professor, Max, for coming in and doing another trade talk this week. Speaking about giving things away and giving back to the people. It's only right, you know. So you guys have been such great students the past couple of weeks here. Um, I, I really appreciate it. If you guys made it all the way to the end of the episode, I think you deserve a little hint at the giveaway. Um, we're giving away another signed jersey, though. And the details to enter the giveaway will come later. But the last player we gave gave away got traded. It was Tyreek Hill. But this player is actually one of his counterparts in Jalen Waddle, assigned Jalen Waddle, Aqua Miami Dolphins jersey. Ooh. Really, really Ooh. fresh, man, from our friends at Pristine Auction. So if you made it this far, reply to our tweet of the podcast after you listen to it with a J- your favorite Jalen Waddle meme slash gif. So we will be announcing the fully announcing it next week at the beginning of our episode. And then we'll most likely be giving it away the following week. So you have this episode to hear it next week to hear it as well. And then most likely giving it away the week following that. All right. We just wanted to thank again, everybody for making it to the end. Thanks for the listeners. And again, we're getting a lot of positive feedback. Shout out Mexicans. We wanted to shout out Steve again. Uh, It's FFFaceOff. Dot com, uh, and he's one of the writers over there for the blog, Stephen Ransbottom, an incredible guy. Uh, so sh- take a look over at his page. Uh, he writes really detailed articles, and uh, it- it's good just to get your mind reading again. I feel like a lot of times we don't end up reading in our day-to-day lives. So shout out him over there. Shout out all the fans that listen. Uh, your feedback is always appreciated. Uh, again, we wanted to recap the episode. We did some reports. Talked a little bit Masters at the beginning, who would be the worst possible fantasy lineup to start. Lowest score wins. Uh, And then we went into our rookie tight end and running back rankings, finished up with Max's trade corner. Max, what do we talk about today? Got to play chess, man. You have to always be one step ahead of your opponents. That's probably my biggest mantra. My biggest thing is always be thinking one step ahead. And, you know, I was sitting here thinking about it, actually. And, you know, this whole theme is dynasty and kings and queens. And, like, in chess – the most important pieces are the king and the queen. So learn how to play chess. Always be paying attention. Always be trying to get better. If you're thinking three steps ahead, what's next week's topic? The next week's episode is scheduled for pre-draft tiered rankings, actually. We're always one step ahead. One step ahead. We're going to be going through pre-draft tiered rankings next week. So that's all players, not just rookies. Uh, We're probably going to be doing top 24s, but most likely detailed top 12s with little brush overs for the remainder for the 24. Just a FYI from the professor trade deadline to cut off for trading for draft picks for me, April 10th, this Sunday. That's it. What if you're in Las Vegas and really want to pick? Then if you're (laughs) in Las Vegas, I give you the permission to do whatever you want. Oh boy. All right. Shout out uh, again, everybody for listening. Follow us on Apple pod, Spotify pod. Uh, you can search us at Dynasty Monarchy there. Leave a five-star review and follow us on Twitter. Again, shout out Nixie, doing a great job over there on the Twitter sphere, helping grow our following, get the name out there. 
give us a follow. We always post polls, reactions to some crazy Twitter news as well at Dynasty Monarchy over there on Twitter. Again, thanks, everybody. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time, farewell, my fellow kings and queens. <laughs>